Just a word of warning, this episode of the Gamer Sushi Show contains spoilers for the ending of Mass Effect 3, Journey, and The Hunger Games. This is episode 45 of the Gamer Sushi Show. This week, we talk the extended cut DLC, the PlayStation Orbis, Journey, and then we play Grades. Hi, welcome to the Gamer CC Show. I'm Eddie. I'm Jeff. And I'm Mitch. And this is episode 45 of the Gamer CC Show. This is the one right after our epic Mass Effect 3 spoiler podcast. In which we all love the ending and disappointed everyone everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're, everyone, we're, people, we're traitors to our race. race. Yeah, yeah <laughs> race. <laughs> no, people were very respectful in our comments. That's what I like about our site. Is that it's not a typical internet uh, community? I hadn't yeah. noticed. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, we don't. We didn't have any like comments that made me go what? <laughs> like well, when I, read them, I, like, I, I did kind of not, not like a certain podcast you recently guest starred on. Yes, <laughs> it's not like Eddie's famous or anything now. Too big time, too big time now. So I'm surprised you're here, aren't you? Aren't you heading up a panel at PAX this weekend? How to leave your friends behind? <laughs> yes. While sitting in a hot tub uh, drinking Cristal. Yeah. For anyone that didn't know, I was on the Rooster Teeth podcast earlier this week talking about Mass Effect Three, also, and I just stole everyone's opinions from this mm-hmm. podcast and used them on that. So, as we're geniuses, worked out pretty well for me. <laughs> you also, you also liked the ending, much to the disappointment of all the hundreds of angry people that commented. So. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty funny. No, the, I mean the comment, the comments were pretty good overall. There were just a couple of people that were very upset mm-hmm. um, that that all everyone in the podcast liked the ending. Which was wild to me, like the level of upsetness yeah. that some people had. I don't know, do we so want to mention that Nick and Anthony aren't here? Oh yeah, Nick and Anthony aren't here. So, <laughs> so, so Nick I just, had, I just yeah. feel like someone needed to speak to that. They would have figured it out eventually. Well, I know, but you know, I feel like if we don't acknowledge it, it's kind of rude. Yeah. As a Canadian, yeah. I feel the overwhelming urge to be polite. <laughs> <laughs> we'll delegate politeness to you. How's that? Yeah, Thank we would have would, moved the podcast a little bit, but I am afraid that I'm going to be a father any day now, so I wanted to get a podcast. <laughs> right. In, or, impending, impending baby drop, basically, yes. is what's happening. So. Yeah. It's pretty bad. Every time Every time my wife calls me now, I'm like, <gasps> like if I'm at work and like I get a phone call from her, I'm like, oh, God. <laughs> She's <laughs> like, can you get butter? And you're like, oh, God. Yeah, yeah, like last night she called when I was, in the, I was in the middle of a meeting and I like walked out of the meeting to answer the phone and she was calling to ask about dinner. And I was like, oh, <laughs> I was like, okay, so we're not having a baby right now. <laughs> She's dinner. due next Saturday. So oh, man, like eight wow. or nine days, which is kind of weird. Well, we're glad that we could have you here, at least. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I just want to. I want to play so many video games this weekend as kind of like a like baby bachelor <laughs> party weekend. Right. <laughs> Except Last. it's just you alone in your living room. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I just want to play so many video games and Miranda's ass. Yeah. So. Anyway, uh, we I guess since we talked a little bit about Mass Effect Three, we can go ahead and jump into the big news, kind of of this week is that um, Bioware came out today and said that they're going to be doing the Mass Effect 3 Extended Cut DLC. Um, The basic gist of this whole thing is that they are releasing DLC that is going to um, 
expand on the existing ending, um, and they say no other ending DLC is planned. Like no other. That's that one. That actually surprised me because um, oh, I've the, been like, expecting like a shadow broker. Yeah, mm-hmm. I've been expecting some kind of shadow broker epilogue thing, but they're saying no other extended like ending stuff is planned at all. And so it sounds like every other piece of DLC we're going to get is going to be kind of like Overlord or Katsumi or the kinds of things that fit into the framework of the game. Yeah, well, uh, to be fair, like under unless it's under a very specific set of conditions, like Shepard dies. Yeah, yeah. Right. Well, that's that's like I was saying, like, I felt like the only way you could have post-ending DLC of, is if it was from the perspective of a different character. Yeah. Which probably would be very difficult to pull off. I feel like it could go pretty well, though, for some people, like for certain characters. I think people would get behind that. Garrus. Give yeah. me Garrus. I can see that. I mean, so I have to say, like, there there are cases where, uh, like, uh, Enslaved had um, post-game DLC that was from the perspective. So it was from the perspective of uh, one of the side characters. I want to say it happens during, like, at the same time as the main game. And it was actually even better than the main game so it is there is a precedent it is possible to do that yeah you know it was interesting because it had a completely different play style i just think it would be strange conceptually after so much time with commander Shepard to have yeah. you know it's kind of like the ending of la noir yeah <laughs> <laughs> which i only actually finished about a month ago so so they're saying it's going to be free. That's another yeah. key thing. Because that was my thing. I was like, if they release some like crazy DLC and then charge for it, people are just going to be upset again. Yeah. Um, it's going to be free. Um, the thing that I thought was interesting, and I and I'm okay with this because I've I've been saying that I hope they don't change the ending. Yeah. Because I feel like no matter what anyone complains about or like whether they're legitimate or not, I feel like it. If you want video games to be called art, you shouldn't demand. You know what I mean like you, like the artist chooses what what happens. Yeah, you, you can't have I mean? it both like, ways. You can't get pissed yeah. off at people calling ga- video games not art and then demand that they not be art. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, you're basically, at that point, you're turning a video game only into software. Like, only into a product, I feel like, at that point, if you're mm-hmm. demanding that an ending be changed. Um, that's the kind of rationality I don't really expect from these ending changing people yeah, i mean that's the that's the other thing <laughs> no no offense that, to people on our site who are advocates of changing the ending well yeah, yeah i mean i feel like you can want to change the ending but some people there's 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 different tiers of the people that want it and right. there is whenever we refer to the tier of crazies i don't think that i don't think anyone on our site falls into that no <laughs> no not at all everybody on the site has been very reasonable and res- respectful it's just I mean, that, that's the thing. I feel like I can understand disliking the artistic choice they made. I haven't seen any critical analyses of it that, that have called out why it would be a poor artistic choice or what would be a better artistic choice. I mean, I know a lot of people really like the indoctrination theory, but I was thinking about that from a story perspective. And let, let's say that the for whatever reason, let's, let's say that the ending DLC revealed that it was all indoctrination. Well, I feel like that could go one or two, one of two ways. It's either um, there's this, you know, twist and oh no, everything you thought was happening uh, was a lie for however many hours of the game, and it's actually much much worse than you thought it was, and then the ending is even bleaker. Or it's better than you thought it was, and then what happens? You play the quote unquote real ending yeah. for a couple hours. I mean. 
either way, that that seems really dramatically unsatisfying to me. Well, and it all it also sets up a precedent to say, okay, well now the real ending is we get to charge for the real ending. Right. Yeah. No. And that's that's bullshit too. It's just like. I don't want that to be the, the policy, but I was thinking about it as like, okay, it was all a dream is one of the m- most hoary cliches in a lot of storytelling. That, like, that's the most annoying shit that any story can pull, where it's just like, oh no, all this crazy stuff you thought was like huge stakes was actually just a dream and none of it mattered. Because that sucks all the air out of everything that you thought was going on. I mean, if it, if it turns out that everything that you were so invested in was a lie then you don't care what happened. None of it mattered. So I don't know why people would be so, like, think that that would be a better solution. And I, I know that, like, Mitch, I know you, you and Anthony were really excited about it when we were talking about it last week, but I'm just trying to think of, like, how would indoctrination work? And I actually started thinking about how, because Inception sort of takes the idea of it was all a dream and turns it on its head and actually yeah. makes that not a cliche. And I was thinking about how it did that. Because I feel like the the reason that it works in Inception is because they make the the re- revelation that it could be a dream into something that has really high stakes. Yeah. Like if you get that's stu- a good point. Yeah. yeah. If, if you get stuck in the dream world, that that means you could go crazy. I mean, like we find out that that his wife committed suicide because they were in the dream world so long. And everything, like the thing is, everything they're doing in the heist has real-world effects. So it's not just if it turns out that it's just a dream, that none of it matters. It's that if it's a dream, worse things will happen. Like, yeah. I, and I was trying to f- figure out like a way to compare that conceptually. Like, it 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 uses some of the ideas of it being a dream, but it it's it threads in all of those plot threads in a, in a way that makes it so that re- like the possibility at the end that um, the main character is actually stuck in a dream and doesn't realize it is actually like raising the stakes rather than lowering them because yeah. of the way that set it up. And it, so I was thinking like the only way indoctrination works is if they <clears throat> actively set that up throughout the course of the game so that you were like, at periods in the game you were fighting against the indoctrination. Because the other thing I was thinking about is like, okay, if it was a twist where someone else pulled Shepard out of this whatever, save Shepard, then that means that the player had no agency and their own salvation. So I feel like the only way to yeah. make that compelling is that it has to be that Shepard was fighting against something without realizing that it w- he was fighting against indoctrination. And then you couldn't have the reveal be in the very last act of the game. It would have to be like act you know, it, let, let's let's pretend the game has uh, five acts, so it'd have to be the fourth act. Yeah. So so that like, before you're in that big final battle, you know, oh, okay, all this other stuff was a dream, but now I know what's really going on, and and everything's rocking and rolling. Like that's that's why the revealing the twist in in the um, was it after the climax is such a, a cop out because it's. It makes all the climactic events have no impact. Yeah, no real value. So that's what the yeah, thing. Well, the thing about the indoctrination theory is there's evidence pointing to it in like the preceding events in the game, like the kid he sees on Earth, and then the dreams that he has are all like effects of indoctrination. But so, that's, that's I mean, the there. I, I, the evidence is one thing, but that still doesn't have any player agency to it. So that's the thing. True. I, feel, I feel like if you want indoctrination to pay off, Shepard has to start realizing that it's present much earlier in the game and fighting against it 
and then prevailing against so the your your cho- your choices are prevailing or succumbing to yeah exactly indoctrination. yeah that's the way indoctrination works where it, it's compelling because the player actively chose to fight against it or yeah or succumbed or something like that and then yeah that's actually the way I, I could see it working but so that 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 the thing about that is that would involve a lot more throughout the entire game not just changing the ending you know, like I feel like you couldn't pull off just tacking on an ending where it's revealed that it's done <laughs> unless it's like 10 hour DLC. Yeah, no, exactly. That's the thing I think. And, and I even think with 10 hour DLC, you'd be kind of pissed off because it's like, OK, those last 10 hours of the game I did were bullshit because it was all fake. And now I'm doing the, the real ending and it's something else entirely. I mean, the other thing I was thinking about, like people who seem to want there to be a lot of different alternate endings is how do you come up with an ending that makes it so that all of them are possibly canonical? Like where, so cause yeah. I, I feel like there are certain fixed points. There's like the Reapers are going to show up. The crucible has a certain function. Well, and you know, they're going to, they're going to branch out with the mass effect universe further, you know, from here. Right. You know, cause they've, they've reset the, they've reset the whole galaxy at this point, mm. you know? Um, and they've reset the galaxy, and now it's at this new starting point, um, kind of moving forward. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, they, they've they've reset their own galaxy. So now, like that, yeah. I have to me, feel- all three of those endings achieve that reset. Yeah, and I have that's to feel probably like that, what that, they want for the future. Yeah, they they were probably like that was probably built into their plans for the rest of the franchise. Oh yeah, you know, like the the third game had to have a specific endpoint in order to proceed to and I want to say that synthesis is probably the the canonical ending. I I I feel like that's the like if you would I got the impression where if you didn't have much readiness then is it like you don't get the other options and synthesis is the only one? No no, it's actually the other way around. Oh, you okay. only get synthesis if you do certain things. Okay. So um, synthesis is the all right. So then maybe it's it's one or the other. Probably the destroying the reapers is the canonical. I'm guessing ending. the red one. Yeah. yeah. Fair enough. Um but yeah, no, that's the thing I was thinking about. All right, so if you wanted more alternate endings, you have to keep in mind that all those fixed points have to be canonical. So, so it like you you can only have alternate endings if player choices w- could affect events. You, you so your player choices couldn't affect whether or not the Reapers came. You you couldn't really affect whether or not the Crucible was a thing. So so what can you affect? I mean, I feel like... I think that's why people are upset. They wanted their choice to affect the ending. They wanted to choose what the actual ending was. And which is just... It's nonsensical. I mean, that's not realistic at all. Yeah, and that's the thing. is like, I, I understand, like, why people... I, I understand kind of why they feel that way, but from... I mean, just even, like, just a practical standpoint, it's it's... Mm-hmm. It's not very plausible to expect that, oh, well, I can choose and make all these things happen at the very end. And on top of that, like, oh, I just lost what I was going to say. Damn it. But, um, <laughs> well, you were, you were kind of making me think of how people seem to ignore all the endings you get throughout three, like all the stuff that you did in two pays off in endings for all the characters in three throughout yeah. the course of the game. Just because well, I mean, the, one, the last one ending had a pretty fixed game. ending. Two had a fixed ending. I mean, there was not really much variation to how two ends. But I mean, like, you get the, the same cutscene, whether or not you. Uh, but even, but I'm talking about like, like once you beat like the human reaper or whatever. Sure. Like, there's, like, it's like the same cutscene. Mm. You can choose whether or not to destroy the base, which doesn't really affect anything. It gives you like a little bonus 
um, to your war assets in three. But in one, it's like you get the same cutscene, whether pretty much whether or not you kill the council or save the council. Yeah. Um, and and three is kind of that same thing, like that you you don't um, you you kind of get a choice. But like I think that oh here's what I was gonna say that there's it makes sense to me that there is only one way to stop the reapers. Right. You mean, and that's that's what I don't get about everyone freaking out. Like, it it makes total sense that no matter what you want to do, there is only one way to stop these guys. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, why I don't see how there would be sixteen different ways to stop the Reapers. Um, I mean, I guess it would be kind of cool, but and I think part of it too is that people feel betrayed because Bio. I think Bioware said something about having sixteen different endings. Oh, did they? But they probably meant sixteen variations because when yeah, you think about they it, meant like a- if like the destiny is ascent if the destiny ascension survived Mass Effect one, then that's technically a different ending. Yeah, according to Bioware. Well, and then same thing like Shepard can be alive in the rubble at the very end. That's a variation. Yeah, yeah. Um, Edie could be dead or not. Like right. that's a variation. You know, your party members could die in that beam blast if you didn't have enough war assets. That's yeah. a variation. Um, I think I think mine might have. I I, I don't remember. Mine didn't. Um, and so it's like those are all little variations. And so part of it is like it's, it's it sucks, but like this is part of it is you fell for marketing speak. <laughs> you yeah, know what I mean? Like yeah. it was them pumping up and marketing their game, you know. And and a lot of times the people that market the game have nothing to do with making the game. So this is also very true. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so it 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 stinks. That's the way that happened. I can see why people would be upset about that. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's why I, I try not to pay too much attention to what marketing people say about their video games. Yeah. Um, you, you could argue like conversely in a way that this is, um, it shows how compelling the series was that so many people bought into it enough to actually finish oh, yeah. it in, in a oh, world yeah. when no one finishes video games. Oh yeah, for sure. You know, I mean, they, they did something right. <laughs> here's my, my ultimate thing is I can understand people being, I can understand people being upset. I can understand people not liking the choices that were made, and I can even respect it. What I, what really rubs me the wrong way is I see a lot of this kind of sentiment that if if you were really invested, you would know that the endings were terrible. It's kind of this sentiment that I see mm-hmm. from a lot of people. If you don't uh, agree with me, then you're wrong, basically. Yeah, if you don't agree with me, if you're wrong, but it's it's even more than that. It's like this elitism, like only the true fans didn't like the ending because they were the ones that were invested and care enough about it. And I think that's totally wrong. Um, I, you know what I mean? Like it's it, it was an ending. It was, like so many video yeah. game endings are terrible. I expect video game endings to I suck. Because I, I was I was kind of thinking about it like other trilogies, and a lot of trilogies have questionable third. Uh, yeah. stories i mean actually the hunger games is is the oh, one that yeah. came to mind i was really disappointed with the third hunger games book and i feel like oh, yeah. the reason no, i did that's people are reading those books now all of a sudden but right, yeah right it'll be but interesting i was, to I was see. really disappointed yeah, yeah. yeah. And it, so i'm curious to see how the, that movie turns out yeah i'm kind of hoping that they'll they'll tweak some of it but yeah. you know i i look at that from a story perspective and I, my reasoning behind why i don't like the third Hunger Games book is because I felt like the character's agency was taken from her. Yes. She went from being a very active, like driven character to someone who was shell shocked. And, and the plot kind of happened around her. Right. And she was just along for the ride. And I I guess we might have to tag this as spoilers, but yeah. (laughs) Mitch, have you read those books? Do you care? Yeah, no, I read all of them before the movie came out. Okay, good. 
Okay, so back to the extended cut real quick. Um, I, I, I want to read this thing about the Q&A, and then we can move on here um, okay. in just a second. Um, kind of their little mini FAQ when they explained it. Um, I, this is what I liked because you know my whole worry was that they were going to change the ending. What I really liked was the, are there going to be more, di- more slash different endings or ending DLCs in the future? No. Bioware strongly believes in the team's artistic vision for the end of this arc of the Mass Effect franchise. The extended cut DLC will expand on the existing endings, but no further DLC is planned. And later they go on to say that they're, that they're proud and they're committed to the artistic choices they made. And all the DLC is doing is clarifying, not changing yeah. the ending. So it's kind of like uh, what, which I'm fine with that. Like right. it's well, it's kind of like what you what J, J.K. Rowling did with the Harry Potter. Oh, yeah. She like read off. All right, here's what happened to. Like, yeah, people were so upset that on like an interview, I forget what I don't know what it was on some interview that she just read like here's what happened to everybody because people were upset and wanted to know so bad. So she just said, okay, well here's what happened, you know, and I think that's all they're doing, and I'm fine with that because it's not changing anything, and they're sticking to their guns and I got really mad because I was on I was on computer and video games.com and I'm going to actually use their URL because sometimes we talk trash about other things that we don't talk about but they were stirring up so much crap all about the ending saying like 80% of Bioware fans want the ending change and they're basing that on like a stupid poll they did on their own site eight um, out of the ten guys that read this article <laughs> yeah and so they were doing that but then today their big headline was Bioware Caves and I was like what? really <laughs> Really, after all the crap you guys stirred, their big headline was Bioware Caves. And everyone's saying, like, Bioware is going to change the ending, and they're totally misreporting it. It's really strange. Yeah. But uh, I, um, One of my Facebook friends, uh, Patrick from uh, OmniFan, posted a, a link where um, somebody was talking about how this sets a really bad precedent, too, where... It, it, Fans will start thinking that if they don't like something about a game, that they should just yell until the developers change it, you know, and and that they can get away with that, which is just so. Uh, it's so frustrating. I guess it's kind of happened, but like, wasn't the ending of Fallout Three slightly changed because of people? Yeah, but I yeah. I also kind of feel like you had to change the ending of Fallout Three so that people could play the DLC. So that understand I understand that from yeah. a business. Well, part part of it what they what they were complaining about was gameplay. Like, what they were complaining about was actual gameplay design decisions. Like, the fact that it didn't let you roam after the world... You know what I mean? Like, right, after right, the game was over. Right. Um, and so a lot of that was gameplay stuff. And Which is... The thing is, a lot of the... So some of the stuff that people were complaining about with Mass Effect 3 is gameplay choices. Like, people are complaining that the ending sucks from a storytelling standpoint because your war assets don't matter as much. That's actually a gameplay critique. Yeah, and actually you know I, what I mean? like, that was my brother's argument was that he didn't feel like... I the, totally get that one. Yeah. And, and that's why I actually agree with that one. Yeah, it doesn't actually of. make sense for you to have different choices based on how many like war assets you have fighting the Reapers. That that doesn't yeah. actually have any logic. And I would have liked to have seen that kind of like the, the suicide missions, depending on what you've done in the game, it affects how people are going to live or die right. and that kind of like last sequence. Mm. I would have liked to have seen something like that with the war assets. You know what I mean? Like, right. Where it paid which off. That's what I was expecting. Yeah. Like if you have this fleet, then this person you know what dies. Mean? Like if, or this yeah. If you have this is, fleet yeah. or whatever, and who you'd position with which like attack force, you know you what I mean? What I bet, like, I bet I, that, that would have been pretty cool. I'm going to lay money that that's what the extended cut is going to be. That you'll hmm. see more of that kind of stuff where the war assets will pay off a certain way. Yeah, and 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 that, but the thing is, that's a gameplay critique, yeah. not a story critique. And I right. think people are kind of mixing that up a little bit. 
Yeah, so. I mean, I, I agree. I think that the final three choices should have been the same for you, no matter what, how many more assets you got. But I, I think, yeah, that's probably sort of a, they were thinking, well, how do we demonstrate choice? I, I don't know. That was probably a, just sort of, that's just kind of an odd design decision. And yeah, I mean, I totally would agree. There are other weird gameplay things throughout the, the game, but. Eh. Mitch, why are you being so quiet? Come on. Because you guys are having an excellent back and forth, and I'd hate to interrupt. Oh. Oh, God, Mitch, you're, you're just a ruiner. Here, I'm going to let you introduce PlayStation Orbis. Stop being, stop being a ruiner by being too polite. I have no idea about PlayStation Orbis. You're being you so Canadian right now. I am being quite Canadian. Listen, sir, I have no idea what the PlayStation Orbis is about. Would you please introduce it? Tell me what you think it's about. Um, just make up stuff. It's a Japanese <laughs> drink full of globes of gelatin. That's what it is. That sounds awesome. <laughs> we had we had that in Canada. It was called Rocket. Uh, it's actually a thing. I can't remember what it's called. Uh, bubble oh. tea, maybe. Bubble oh, bubble tea. Oh, well, yeah. We used to have sodas filled with like little gelatin balls. I guess that was based what? off of bubble tea. Sounds yeah. hideous. It was a choking hazard, Ooh, and that awesome. is from personal experience. <laughs> okay, I had so many. I had so many balls in my mouth that. I... <laughs> That just happened. Heard <laughs> it here first. All right, talk, talk to us about the Orbis before Mitch puts more balls in his mouth. I just want to talk about it real quick because it was that a was big in my thing. childhood. It was just a big thing that was going on, uh, <laughs> kind of at the end of last week. That there's all these rumors going around about the PlayStation Orbis. That it's the next PlayStation. It'll be out 2013 holiday season. Uh, that it's going to have a AMD CPU, AMD GPU. Um, and the big things are that it's not going to be backwards compatible with PS3 games. I'm not um, really surprised well, about that. Yeah, but... Well, I mean, the PS3 isn't compatible with PS2, and that's the thing about all these hardware generations now. They're gonna, it's going to get harder and harder to be backwards well, compatible. Well, they also change the chip architecture every time. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, well, that, that's why because they're gonna instead of they can't emulate anymore. They have to actually include the hardware right. if they want to emulate, which is ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. So uh, you have to include a PS3 in your PS4 to play PS3 games. Yeah. Um, but that doesn't surprise me too much. What I wish that they would do, but since they've already backed out on this with the Vita, I don't expect them to change anything about this because uh, the Vita was supposed to allow people to download games they already had. Right. But it's also going to lock new games to a PSN account as an anti-used games measure. And games can bought, be bought either on Blu-ray or downloaded. And yeah, those are the big things. The, I think the big thing is the PSN account will be locked to new games, which I'm not a fan of. I don't but. understand why they... like. It seems like they're making these anti-consumer choices and doing a really bad job of, of framing them in a way that would even sell them i mean how do you even like how do you convince consumers that that's a good thing yeah you know? well what if i want to let someone borrow a game that's my thing yeah, like too. I, I just that, that's what drives me nuts like that's that's one of the things i loved about games growing up i could grab a game and take it to a friend's house and we would play the crap out of it yeah you know or how do you rent how do you rent like i mean that kills renting games that kills oh, yeah. games like it's it's not only like anti-consumer but it's anti a lot of other businesses that are yeah that that do have more like they do have more benefits. That there's a relationship there. You know, they sell new stuff just as much as they sell used stuff. So although maybe they're not as worried about rentals anymore, just because you've got places like Blockbuster and whatever, you doing, know, going out of business. Yeah, yeah going yeah, out of business. Like no places to rent anymore. 
Yeah, it'd be like Gamefly, but I'm wondering if well, they could Redbox. generate a code. You mean like if they could generate a code for you to use every time or something? You know, like yeah. a rental code. But that yeah. seems like a lot of hassle. I don't know. It'd be nice. I don't know if they would be willing to partner with them to do that, though. You know? Well, I mean, something's got to happen because if, like, the opportunity to, like, trade in games or, like, play used games goes away, then, like, I bet they'd see a huge drop in how many new copies they get sold because a lot of my games are bought through trading stuff in and getting credit for that. Oh, yeah. yeah I'd no, pretty I'd, much, I'd, if both consoles did this, because this, this is a rumor for the 360, the next 360 also, like, I'd probably just go straight to PC games yeah. for the most part, you know, like, because... I mean, if well, you just if have I, to download I, it anyway, yeah, you might as well just... Yeah, if I have to download it anyway, and I can't, you know, like trading it in is not going to do me hardly anything. I'm, I'll just get it on my PC. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, that's that's just <laughs> that's the thing. Like when I buy games, I usually buy new games with credit from games that I traded in. So I buy like I buy them the way that they want me to. I am just using credit so that it's cheaper for me. Yeah. I mean, and, and the, the, like, the developers, from their perspective, they're getting the money that they want to get. I'm just... The other thing that I worry about that nobody ever talks about is what do you... So you, you buy this stack of games that you can do nothing with except for throw away. After, like, say you're done with And you can't even... And you know you won't even be able to use them for the next generation even. Oh, because yeah. Because they keep locking them so out. So basically, you know? it's just clutter. I mean, yeah. I would rather them go to download-only systems... If they were going to, seriously, like, I know it's probably not practical because of the state of broadband internet in the United States. State of broadband internet and what these what these dumb companies charge for bigger hard drives for mm. your system. Yeah. Like, it costs so much to get a bigger hard drive on the 3 I think it's still, like, 100 bucks for, like, 20 more gigs or something stupid yeah, like that. Absurd. I'm just saying numbers out of my butt, but it's not <laughs> it's that pretty, different. It's pretty bad. But, yeah, I mean, that's the thing. If they gave you a giant hard drive and the, the broadband was good enough... And the the prices for downloads were slightly more reasonable, or they had sales at least. I mean, so if you had a PC and Steam, yeah. is basically what I you're know, saying. That's the thing. That's that. I'm basically describing Steam, which is what we talked about before, and I, I don't think it'll actually happen. I I like the idea of the 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 rumored Steam boxes, except for the part where it's still not really what I I actually would like a closed console kind of where it's it's a, a set system so you you know you're buying a thing you don't have to upgrade it you don't have to worry about whether or not you can play a game you just buy it and you can play games that's that to me is the benefit of consoles is not having to worry about upgrading your system to play like you don't have to upgrade your ps3 to play ps3 games yeah and that's that that's to me is the downside of pcs is that you're never entirely sure if your pc will play the game that you, you want to buy well another thing that that i don't like about about this whole thing and i don't mean to just like be down on it like <laughs> but at the same time like i feel like everything is kind of moving more anti-consumer in in the video game world which is strange um but i just i just don't trust publishers to set good download prices no. for consoles i just don't trust them at all to set good download prices um and it, here's the thing it's like if you like as we keep talking about all the time it's like if you want to curb use sales then make cheaper new games. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like can, it just can, boils down to that. Like, and they're going to only get more expensive if we're talking about another hardware generation. They're only going to get more expensive. Yeah, I mean, they compete against used games. Don't try and lock people out of used games. They like make it so that your service is better than used games. 
Well, they clearly have no idea how to do that yet. Like, this entire generation has been an experiment of how to, like, try and beat used games. Like, you had the online passes, like, with the Cerberus network and stuff with Mass Effect 2, and none of that has really worked. Because, like, remember EA's Project $10 or whatever that thing was? Yeah. Yeah, and that just went away after, like, less than a year. So. I mean, they still do online passes, but. Yeah, they keep on changing the definition of what that is. It's that, like, for some games, it's you only get the multiplayer. Some for some it's... games, you get like you get like you got like Catwoman right. for Batman. Yeah, it's like they don't really know what to do with it, and until they figure it out, like obviously their moves are going to be anti-consumerist because they're trying to see how far they can push it and still make money. Yeah. So, I mean that that'll be kind of that that will be interesting if it turns out that the next generation just has all these like ridiculous. Uh, I'm I'm trying to figure out like what situation would be a reasonable compromise, because I I, I want to say that some of it was like okay well you can buy a used game but you have to like everything has an online pass essentially or everything has an unlock. I could see that working if the unlock was cheap enough, you know, so so it's it's that the the used games would have to be cheap enough and then the unlock would have to be like five dollars or maybe ten dollars at the most, but. You know what? Yeah, I mean, if you're gonna make people pay for the same thing that they would just get a new game for, right? So, I don't know, but they probably don't. Like, I I understand that they the developers want money to go to them, but the the thing is that it's like used books have worked just fine for authors for hundreds of years. I don't know why video game developers can't find a way to make peace with the used sale system you know like used used movies work just fine for for uh movie studios why why are video games the only industry that cannot like eat the cost (laughs) yeah you know like that to me is a sign of overspending oh yeah for sure if if you can't find a way to to curb that yeah Yeah. so on to things that the playstation is doing right Mm -hmm. oh okay what are those um, well, not about the Orbis. I'm just going back to what Sony is doing right. Mm-hmm. Um, the Amazon Instant App is out on the PlayStation 3, which is a pretty big deal. Um, I, I haven't yet to download it, but it's fantastic, dude. Really, it's a, it's a nice interface, and it. So, so the interface is is absolutely gorgeous. Um, one of my my problems with Amazon Instant up until now is that all the implementations I've seen of it are really clunky, like and, and um. The closest I've gotten to what I wanted from Amazon Instant is the TiVo, which only plays videos that you've actually bought. It doesn't that you've actually bought, which I, I didn't know until I bought my TiVo right. and already had it set up. I was like, "What?" Right. So I've always <laughs> I was thought so that upset. was that was kind of lame. I know that the Roku does it, but I've never been that impressed with what I've seen of the the Roku navigation. But you can watch Web Zeros on Roku, Jeff. Well, fine then. <laughs> Can you actually? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Because well, the, there's a rev, there's a revision three channel. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so like if you had a Roku. <laughs> when I was at um, when I was at um, uh, South by Southwest, I wasn't there last year. It was two years ago. It was when uh, it was when Web Zeros was on. I went to the show floor and they had a Roku booth set up, and. <laughs> you, I was you found Web Zeros, didn't you? <laughs> yeah, I was I was all I was all excited because like a couple of people had recognized me and I was like, all right, this is gonna be fun, and I will never do anything like this ever again. 
I walked up to the Roku guy and I was asking about the Roku because I'd actually never seen a Roku in person, but I knew that Web Zeros could be on it. And I was like, so can you do me a favor and uh, click over? And then I made him go find Web Zeros. And I was like, and I kind of pointed, I was like, yeah, that's me. And he, the guy like was not impressed <laughs> at all. <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay. Awesome. That, so, that set me up really well for the disappointment that we had later that night, <laughs> which I will not go into. Um, but but so yeah, back to the 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 PS3 version. The interface is absolutely gorgeous, and one of the cool things about it is it support it, it supports the purchase videos and the Prime videos. But the way it works with the the purchase videos is that you're streaming everything. You're not down like so. You don't oh, have, that's cool. Yeah. So on the TiVo, you have to download all the files. Yeah, you actually have to download the. Yeah, I have all of Breaking Bad season four, and it takes up so much space. Right, and if you don't have space on your TiVo hard drive, you're just screwed. With a PS3, everything you watch, you're streaming. That's and true. the other thing is that um, SD quality videos, like quote unquote SD, actually looks pretty nice. Nice. Um, it looks as good as the standard Netflix streaming. And the funny thing is, like, that's the other thing about the, the TiVo is that whenever you would download a, a, an SD video, it would give you a letterboxed version that looked awful for whatever reason. That was just their, their crappy implementation of it. But I So what I did when I downloaded it, I bought um, the third season of Archer, which was oh, nice. $17. I but, just started watching that show in the last couple of weeks, and it is hilarious. It's, it's awesome. So, so the entire season was like $17, $18 for the SD version, and I watched three episodes in a row. Um, quality was fantastic. I like, you know, maybe a little bit of artifacting, but at least as good as a Netflix stream. See, the thing is, I hate the, the, the Netflix uh, interface on the 360 now, so I may just ditch that and switch over to PlayStation 3 for Amazon and Netflix. Because that's what I already, I watch my, I, that's where I watch my Blu-rays anyway, right. so it's like, PlayStation 3 should just be my like movie watching it's actually no that's that's been it's been like that for me for a while because the netflix interface on ps3 is much i think it's much better nice okay i don't want to talk about this too long because we are excluding mitch and mitch just refuses to say a word so mitch i'm oh, gonna for, let you for a second there i i thought i was excited because i thought you were like journey and i was like i get to talk about it as no, no i was just about to say so mitch you're gonna introduce journey so you can stop being a lame canadian lame nadian i need to move to america for like a week to start getting into the mood of being rude to people <laughs> mitch is like i'll just wait here and not interrupt i should just get in new york and then the next podcast i'm like hey get the fuck out of the way asshole um, no that on the rooster teeth podcast i had to interrupt so much but and i it took me like five or six minutes to realize i'm like silent for the first like five or six minutes and then it was like i kind of put together i was like these three guys are in the same room so if I want to say anything, I'm just going to have to interrupt them and be a jerk. <laughs> nice. And then sometimes the sound cut out anyways. So. Yeah. yeah. Oh, so the one last thing I was going to say about before we go to Journey was that... Jeff. The, I know. The only difference between... Why do you hate Mitch? Because hate. Um, the, the only big difference between the two services is that Netflix has your queue and Amazon doesn't. But the thing, oh, okay. the thing I'm starting to realize is that I actually don't use the queue that much. It's a list of movies I will never watch. So <laughs> it's like I, I added something six months ago that sounded cool, and and I just scroll past it every time. So. Oh yeah, I do the same thing on Netflix all the time. Like I have I have all these movies. And I'm like I'll watch that someday, and then I'm never in the mood to watch it. Never. Yeah. So 
Like anyway, I've got like it, Syriana on there, which I've never seen, but I scroll past it every time. I think it's a really slick app. Like, and I th- one I think day, it's like, Syriana. One day. But yeah, I think it's got like, thirteen assassins on there, which I fully intend to watch. I, I've heard that that's a like the second half is just a bloodbath of samurai. Yeah, I've heard it's an, I've heard it's like an hour of setup and then an hour of like climax. <laughs> <laughs> that's what she said. Nice. Okay, Mitch. On that note, talk about Journey for a while. We'll just sit here in silence for 15 minutes while you do that. Oh, God. Okay. (laughs) So, um, Journey is like a game. (laughs) Here's the thing. (laughs) The game is hard to spoil. Like, there's there's not much that happens in the game. But at the same time, if you ever plan on playing this game, do not listen to this. Yes. Like just just go just go play playing it. journey yeah has to be gone into like pure just yeah. to I feel I absolutely feel that I also way. feel like yeah Eddie I think you're right that you should play it in one sitting because it takes maybe max two hours yeah yeah like yeah. at the very most two and, hours and part of and I'll talk about this a little bit later after Mitch talks for the next fifteen minutes but okay. um it, part of I feel like the catharsis that comes at the end comes through the one sitting of struggling. You know what I mean? Like part of like that of what makes the ending of it so great is that you've journeyed and struggled and sat there, you know, oh. that whole time. So, anyway. Jeff, you, you beat Journey, right? Oh yeah, no, I finished it last night. Okay, yeah, I wasn't sure if you'd beat it because I know Anthony beat it. We've all, all three of all of us have, have beat it except for Nick. So. Except for Nick because he fails, and but he's not even here, so who cares? So Mitch, set up the game, and then after you set up the game and what it is, then we will give people a spoiler warning because I still I feel like if anyone's thinking about it, they should hear what it what it is and what it's about, and then yeah, okay. So Journey is a uh, is a game that's downloadable on the PlayStation Network. It's by that game company who made Flow and Flower for. Sony. So if you played either of those two games, you kind of get the a sense of what Journey is. But basically, what you do is you are just this like mysterious traveler who starts off in a desert, and then your goal is to make it to a mountain that you constantly see off in the distance. Um, there's not a lot of puzzles. There's not a lot of things to do in the game. Basically, the only two actions you have are to jump and to make like some sort of like uh, chirping noise. Uh, and you basically walk through the desert, solve some minor puzzles, and keep going forward. The thing that journey has it's different from everything else is that it has like a multiplayer component that's like people can join your game but you can't actively talk to them besides the little chirp noise you can do and you basically can travel with one other person and if you ever lose them someone else can just jump into your game but you'll have like no idea that it's a different person yeah, like the game yeah. doesn't tell you the only way yeah, it tell... doesn't tell you who they are until the end it puts their name in your credits right, right. yeah so you like cool. you go you go through this whole, huge emotional journey with uh, sergeant doobie <laughs> and... yeah, I, think, I think one of mine was like 42 gun crip or something like that <laughs> yeah but one of mine was like that like like lowercase x uppercase x quick sniper <laughs> quick scoper or whatever um so yeah that, that's classy. basically it that yeah pretty much keep a classy psn that's basically it like journey is really simple to describe but like the stuff that happens in journey and like the things you experience is what makes it worth the trip like i said i think i said this in my post that it's really hard to describe yeah i, th- I, I mean it's got it, a fantastic soundtrack it's, oh, yeah the music it's, is gorgeous it's yeah. got some awesome it's just got a couple of really cool systems that is super simple. I mean, you only push two buttons in the game. You jump and you slide down hills. Uh, that part where you're sliding down the ruins? Yes. Oh, 
So should we say spoilers now? Yeah, spoilers. Please, please go play this game if you have any access. If you've got a friend that's got a PS3, like find a way to play it's Journey. Wor- it's worth the $15. Do not hesitate to spend that money. And sit oh. down there and play it. Take 90. I think it only took me about 90 minutes. It took me about yeah. two hours, but I think I, I got uh, you know lost a little bit. So. Yeah. But sit there and play it in one sitting and like, and, and just do it. Cause it, 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 it is in my running for game of the year already. Yeah. And I, like I, well, I, I cried a little bit at the end. Like I got a little teary eyed at the Three. end. <laughs> so okay. yeah, it's beating out mass effect three for my game of the year right now. That's okay. not hard to do. Cause I've only played two, two new games this year. Well, three, <laughs> if you count kingdoms of Amalur, but fair enough. Right. So right. spoiler spoiler warning. spoilers, spoilers. So, do you want to kind of like start from the beginning and go through to the end? Because there's not a lot of yeah, there's not a whole lot to even talk about. The, the interesting thing about it is that like, if you go into it expecting gameplay, I think you, I wouldn't necessarily go into it thinking that you're gonna yeah, like you were saying, there's not crazy puzzles to solve. I feel like it's more an interactive story. You yeah, know? like I think that's a better way to describe it. It's that because basically, I, I kind of got the impression that you were sort of like a, a monk. It, it it almost felt like you were going to Mecca in a way. Yeah. Like you're you're doing a pilgrimage yeah. to Mecca, which is essentially in this world is this this mountain that has a glowing uh split in it and along the way you find these little altars where you sit and meditate and I guess that like it, it was almost like a goddess. I mean the, and the whole thing is a very obvious metaphor for right. life and death. Yeah. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah. Um um but yeah it's it's like a, the, the, like over the course of the game, the goddess tells you sort of a, a story of the history of the world from like humble beginnings to industrialization to the fall. And yeah, it's, it's that whole like thread of life and death. There's, but there's so much going on. It's really, it's really fascinating. Like I've, I definitely think it's, it's interesting that it would reward multiple plays considering there's not that much gameplay, you know, there's not that much else to experience, yeah. you know, like, but that's, that's what was crazy about it is I really want to play it again, despite that, um, despite there not being much experience. And I definitely and, want to get the white robe. That's yes. for sure. Well, yeah. So that's the thing. Like once you've played through it, cause it doesn't tell you what trophies you're getting while you're doing it. It doesn't like emphasize that. But once you look at the trophies at the end, you're like, Oh, well, if I had done this, I would have got one or, you know, there's a couple different. Yeah. So that that's actually where some of the game, the replay value is is like if you travel with the same person through the whole thing, then that's a, a trophy. Or if I got you, a trophy for that. I didn't. I I kept. Yeah, so I, I, I. I want to talk about the co-op in a second. Okay, um, we can yeah. talk. Yeah, uh, or like yeah, the white robe thing. Or it's like if you um while you're you're surfing down sand dunes, if you go through fifteen of the arches. Yes. Then that's a trophy. I thought there might have been a trophy for that when I was doing it. It felt like a trophy. To, thing, but yeah. yeah. It, well, they make kind of like a little musical cue when you go through yes. them. Yeah. Um, so. Which oh god, the game soundtrack like just its use of it's musical it's cue. pretty freaking incredible. Freaking incredible. I'm definitely putting the main theme as the outro song for this podcast. Nice. nice. <laughs> it's incredible. <laughs> yeah, well, and, and more than because Jeff, you said it, it was more like an interactive story. It's almost like an interactive story meets an interactive painting. Mm, yeah. You know what I mean? Like it because it, it just is, has like these gorgeous views and they clearly set up these shots that are meant like when you're sliding just sideways and the like sun. the camera pans around yes. and there's like the sun and the ruins. Um, one It's one of my favorite um, visuals in a video game now. Absolutely. Uh, I, I feel like I would uh, almost play it just to like if I'm feeling stressed out, I would play that. Yeah. To, to, like meditate and relax. Almost. Yeah. 
and I, I have had this idea for, yeah, uh, man, I just, <laughs> there's so many things I wish I could say about it, but yeah, it's one of those games that's hard to describe and hard to quantify um, unless you've played it. And since all three of us have played it, we know what we're talking about, which is, which is kind of funny. Um, but the soundtrack is incredible. Um, and one of the things about when you are doing a co-op thing, not even when you're doing the co-op thing, like uh, Mitch mentioned, the chirping. Um, it's like this sing-song thing that your character does, and that activates. It's like the power of song activates some of these ruins um, in the game. and Or like brings scarves to life. Yeah. Which sounds um, weird, but if you play the game, you know what that means. Yeah. Yeah. There, there's actually this article that's been going around that I want to read where someone talks about part of like the bliss of Journey comes from the jumping mechanic. That there's something very like primal um, when playing video games about just jumping. Yeah. You know, because it goes back to like the really early days of gaming. And to have taken that simple mechanic and doing it really well and combining it with this really artful presentation is part of what makes the game just sing um, so well, which I can kind of buy. But I also liked that it was it was such a simple setup. Like, it's a game that like anybody could play, I feel like. Like, yeah. it starts, there's no text telling you what you need to do. And the camera just pans and shows you the mountain. And all you know is that I, I have to go to there. <laughs> uh, pretty much. But but they managed to do like so much with the setup. Like, the, like I just knew the game was walking through the desert. But like you start walking through the desert. And then you go out into like this huge area with a bunch of dunes. And then you like slide down the oh, ruins. The first time you slide down the, the first, even the first dune that you slide down. I was like, oh, that's kind of fun. Yes, and, oh, that's you're kind like, of that's and then they awesome. keep building it up, and then you start having these big ones. Yeah, and then you're like you're finally sliding down that huge hill during sunset, and then you go into that cavern that looks like you're underwater. Yes, yeah, that I also was felt amazing. Like the world I was build- really freaked out during that part. Actually, I think they did a yeah, really good job when, like, with the world. The dragon building. statues start activating, and they like chase you down. Yeah, no, I mean that's the thing. Like, I feel like they like it's so simple, but they, they there's a whole complex world there. Like, you get that history where there's like, I feel like the the dragons were. I, I got the impression that, that the dragons were the war machines, but maybe that wasn't what it was. Like mm. I, I was, or or maybe it was like somehow they they were used in the the battles that were the fall of of yeah. the society, because it seemed like they were almost technological, or the or maybe it's just that you found you find something that like is lying and it's sort of like glowing and it looks mechanical. I don't know. Anyway, I just thought it was cool, like because you start finding those little uh, creatures that are like the the living scars yeah. that that you know chase you around and there's the huge ones that are like you know nice scarf dragons and uh, it was just it was they did a really good job like building in so many little details that made it feel like a really fully fleshed world despite the fact that there's no dialogue there's like the only story you get is from from paintings and it's so simple and that still managed to give you gameplay cues yeah because of that world building like you knew because of the world building that oh like there's those moments you see the scarves, you know, I have to get there because that's going to launch me up to the next spot. Right. You know, um, if we, we can switch to the co-op real quick. My my co-op experience, I'm part of me wishes I had played the game solo, but part of me is like, man, like I feel like so much of what my, made my experience with the first playthrough so powerful was that was was my co-op experience because I had a guy end up in my game almost from the very beginning mm-hmm. and it was so it's so cool the way it does it cuz it doesn't tell you that, that anybody joined your game. It doesn't show you their name like it literally is you just see another traveler doing stuff. And so I kind of like went up to him cuz it was kind of weird, you know what I mean? Cuz it's like, oh, here's another person and I feel like I'm kind of intruding on his journey, you know? Um and in a way he's kind of intruding on mine and so I kind of went up to him 
and he was he was trying to do something and then I wasn't quite ready to do what he was doing because it's the part early in the game where you're um, making the very first bridge. Mm. Um, yeah, that's where I met my first uh, yeah. traveler too. And so he's trying to get the bridge done, but I could see that there was there was something um, like a, a scarf to get um, over in the distance. So I was trying to go to do that, and then he kept like chirping at me. And so I was like, okay, fine. So I followed him, and he actually knew where another scarf was and showed me that. And then I chirped at him, and then we went and did, and then we went and did that one. And so I just assumed like this guy's probably not really going to want to play with me. It might be like his second playthrough. Who knows? But then he ended up like just kind of staying with me, and I was like, okay. And so then, and it was even at the point where like he would just run like hip hip to hip with me, um, and I was like, okay, I guess we're friends. <laughs> so, um, but one cool thing is that like you can only jump for as long as your scarf is. Um, and your scarf kind of gets eaten up the longer you're jumping slash flying. But when you're playing with a co-op buddy, if you sing, you charge each other's scarves. Yeah, which and it's is also, cool. yeah, late in the game when, when you're walking through the snow, you start freezing. And if you have a co-op partner, you can uh, defrost each other. Yes, which it, it's such for a, a while. Uh, yeah, for a while. Until, yeah, for a while. Um, yeah, that was like one of the most powerful moments of the game yes. is when you're walking up the hill with the other person and like your chirps are just getting weaker and weaker. And like me and the person I was traveling with, we would be walking up the hill and we'd just be doing like these little pathetic chirps yeah, like yeah. every couple of seconds. Just be like, I'm, here. I'm here for you, buddy. Keep going, man. I got your back. Well, and then the way they designed it, Jeff, did, did you play that the snow part with a person? Yeah, I did. Did On yours, I think they, they probably set it up this way on purpose. Did your co-op partner collapse first? No, no. So, okay. So what ended up happening was that I got separated from my co-op partner before oh, the no. very last part. Jeff, no. <laughs> yeah, well, so you're climbing up the mountain together, and it's like there's like the snow blasting, and you're almost at the end. You can see your goal. You've been playing for an hour and a half, and it's like me and like my co-op buddy. And that's the thing. We, it was me and this one person. We played the entire game together. Um like we would we would chirp at each other when we lost each other and we would like wait for each other like the first time i lost him i got really sad i was like oh no i lost him like we had been playing together for a level and i was like oh man i lost him but then i started hearing him chirp and i went looking for him and then i found him and he was standing there chirping trying to find me <laughs> um and then at one point like he had he we finished something and we were about to move on to the next level but he chirped at me a bunch so i stopped and then he sat down to meditate, which is what happens when you pause the game. So I was like, oh, he was trying to tell me he had to pause it. So then I like went to the bathroom and like started doing laundry and did a bunch of other stuff. And then I heard the chirping coming from the living room. And I was like, oh. And then I came back and he was running around in circles around me chirping to like get my attention. <laughs> and then we started playing together again. So like it was just so cool to like have played the game with one guy. And we just like stuck together the entire game and chirped at each other to warn each other about stuff. Um, and like at the very end you're climbing up this hill together and and the way they set it up is i think they set it up cuz Mitch you said this happened to you too yeah where your co-op buddy collapses first in the snow and Jen was watching me play and she was like fascinated by the game um cuz like the part where you're eluding the dragon and you're running between the ruins and the snow there was one part where he got really bold and like took a made a break for it, and then it looked like the dragon was gonna catch him. And Jin's like, "Oh no, your buddy!" <laughs> and, and I start chirping at him. And he turns around and like books it back because he realized he couldn't make it. <laughs> nice. But but yeah, I think they set it up to where your co-op buddy falls first 
on purpose because my reaction was like, oh no, oh no, because I was like, he's dead. Yeah, uh, I was like, guy, no, we made it so far. <laughs> yeah. Why couldn't you hold on? I believed in you, man. See, I was I was the jerk who just wanted to like plow on ahead. I didn't wait for any of my co-op partners. Oh, uh, uh, see, like the first guy I found, he was like my tour guide. He had like a scarf that was like so long. He just led me around and like showed me all the scarf power-ups and stuff, and I lost him after the sledding section. So I, I can yeah. show you the world. <laughs> yeah, pretty much, dude. <laughs> like, he would just chirp, and I would follow him around, and he would just show me stuff. But I lost him after the sledding section, and I stood at like the end of the sledding just section for, for yeah, for like a good two minutes just chirping. <laughs> and then I was like, like friend? Yeah, friend? I was like, guy? Guy? <laughs> then like, I finally moved on, then I walked through the first part of the cave by myself, like, chirping intermittently every couple of seconds just to, like, see if someone else would so be here. I so scared to play that cave section by myself. Like, they I made, was, because I, I wanted somebody, the world I wanted somebody else there. Yeah, yeah, I wanted somebody else there, because that, that part was, like, freaky as hell. Because you I feel like you're feature, underwater. A feature, or I might put on my blog, I don't know, I want to write a thing about how, for me, like, um, in video games, like there's almost nothing I hate more in a video game than feeling like alone. Like certain games, you're you're by yourself and you're doing whatever, but you don't feel that way. But then certain games go out of their way to make you feel alone, and that always freaks me out more than like any kind of survival horror really? scenario. See, that's, that's actually one of my favorite parts of um, Half Life Two is how alone you feel at points in the game. How like, that, that might be why they, that game freaks me out so much. When it's I, actually well, it's actually also a really <laughs> scary game at parts. Like yeah, all the, yeah. the stuff with the like the the zombie level or whatever. Yeah, they're not really zombies, but the I don't, I don't remember what they're called. But yeah, I mean that, which is just another reason why Half Life Two is is one of the all all time greatest games. But yeah, it's just that the feeling of aloneness and being abandoned in, in the middle of nowhere. Like I. I don't even feel that way playing Fallout 3. Like, I, I never yeah. feel that alone in Fallout 3. Yeah, because some games go out of their way to make you feel it. And when they do, like, to me, like, it's like this, it's one of the worst things. Um, you know, like, even on Mass Effect 3, when all of a sudden you're by yourself and your squad's not there on the Citadel, like, mm. that freaked me out. You know, especially because all, you're walking through setting, a corpse. Yeah, walking through, a, like, a pile of corpses. Right. Um, but beyond that, like, it's like my squad's not here, you know? Um, and I felt really alone and freaked out by it. Um, but I don't know like the ending the ending of Journey to me is just one of the coolest things and I don't want to use a bunch of hyperbole to describe it but it really did affect me um, because like it it's so hard to describe because it's like you your guys collapse and then like whatever goddess god beings come and then they power you up and you just go like the part where you rocket through the clouds and all the dragons are swirling around you um, and you're just blasting through them, and then you get to this, this like tran- tranquil spot, like at the top of the mountain, like, and it was just a perfect combination of like incredible music, like it was gorgeous to look at, but then all of a sudden, like the gameplay broke open, and it's like kind of what we talked about, like when you can kind of get into a flow in like Mirror's Edge or a game like that, you yeah, know, yeah, yeah. and it's just flowing and it's perfect, and like it's just like the culmination of all the stuff you've done in this game. And it's just like a blast. It's like a it's a fantastic end game because um, you're just soaring all around this mountain and it's gorgeous. Um, and it was cool because me and my partner we lost each other at that point, but I didn't care because it was so fun. And so I'm like flying around having fun in the back of my head. I'm kind of like, oh, you know, I wonder where my where my buddy is. I would catch glimpses of him like soaring through the air all incredibly. Um, but then 
at the very end, and then like, God, I feel like such a nerd that this this really did affect me, like on an emotional level. At the very end, like you soar through and you get to the final spot, and I just see his figure, and he's just waiting for me. Wow. You know, and I don't I don't know how long he waited for me, but that he was that we had gone through the whole game together, and even though we had both had like these really awesome moments, that he was just standing there waiting for me at the at the end of the road. You know. Yeah, my my guy was waiting for me too when and, he got to the end before me. And and it's and it's such a cool thing because it's half design. You know what I mean? Like the game is designed to have to to be capable of moments like that, but you can't script something like that either. Um and so it, it it's so cool that like it affected me in that way and it makes me curious like how other people experience that. And then, you know, we had done this whole journey together and then the two of us walked up into the light together. And like I got teary eyed, and my wife did too. And man, I'm feeling like misty even talking about it because you know, like from from a personal standpoint, I'm sitting there with my wife. We're about to have a baby. You know what I mean? Like someone that like I'm going to go through life with, and to be sitting there doing that same thing, like oh god, like it it, it knocked me out <laughs> on an emotional level. It was like a total like gut punch, like in a good way. Yeah, yeah I'm just like this jaded 24 year old who's kind of drunk, <laughs> just going like, yeah, this is kind of neat. This is pretty. <laughs> this is pretty cool. And then, then there's me where I just like abandoned everybody that I met. <laughs> You're like, f all y'all. You just like blazing into the light. <laughs> <laughs> How you like me now? I'm getting to heaven first, assholes. <laughs> well, I love the when you the... get locked out. Tell them Jeff said, "Fuck you." <laughs> <laughs> no, I love the the Nick sent a gif in a an email yes. earlier where it's just like you know a shot of the the guy with the sunset scene was like, "Wow, this is beautiful," and then he turns and he sees. Uh, someone else and they have a white robe and he's like how'd that asshole get a white robe yeah <laughs> he's like and this is awesome this is such an incredible sight wait how did he get a white robe because <laughs> that'd be my reaction give that moment yeah give please yeah I totally want to replay it so that I can get a white robe I want to <laughs> play the tour guide to some newbie like that's what yes, I want to do I, so- I want to I play it and not be the jerk that leaves everybody behind because I like <laughs> the thing was like I get kind of the other thing was I, I wanted to do things myself. I wanted to experience it, yeah. you know, and, and I kind of bristle. I, I'm not a huge fan of, of uh, multiplayer with people I don't know in general. So, like, I'm kind of biased against it. I, probably this is the only type where playing with strangers oh, actually yeah. makes sense because you don't have to well, actually talk to them. Well, and also I feel like playing with a stranger, like, is what did it for me. Because if I had, like, played it with, like, one of you guys, and, like, yeah, we were just talking over a headset the whole time, it wouldn't have nearly been the same experience as it was. Well, yeah, I mean, that's the thing. Like, so my brother sat and watched a good part of it with me, and and we were just sitting there, like, completely silent. I don't think I talked at all the entire time I was playing it. I was just, like, you know, and and definitely at points I I felt like I was almost, like, on the edge of, of, like meditating in a way just playing yeah. you know so ah, even though I was being a jerk to everybody that was coming <laughs> just meditating he's until someone's in his way he's like get out my way asshole <laughs> gotta get my scarves scarves I don't know I, I mean once it got to the point where like near the end I stuck with the same guy for a while but the first like the first couple of sections I was just like I, I just want to see it I don't care what you're doing <laughs> Yeah. You know? No, it makes sense. It's so, it's so like beautiful to look at. You know what I mean? Like I I can totally understand that impulse. And that was kind of my impulse a little bit too. But then I just was like, I wonder how like this guy really seems to like me. And then you know, mm-hmm. but it, it was so cool because yeah, like during the darkness sections when it was really freaky, we stayed like right next to each other. And by the end of the game, we were like running like at the hip, mm-hmm. pretty much just chirping at each other the whole time. 
you the, know the chirps are great too because if you do it like if you do it in a rhythm it plays a little melody yes yeah which is so cool so all right so we've talked about journey for a while should we move on to the game now yes game time so I am running the game this week, which means that Eddie will lose every time. Nose! <laughs> yeah. To, sorry, Eddie. This week we're going to be playing Grades, and in the absence of Nick, I will be running it, as I have said. So we're just going to jump right into it. Uh, I'm also going to be giving a grade because there's only three people on the podcast. So uh, let's just and start. No with one really the... cares what I think anyway. No, yeah, that's don't. true. We just we just give you a pity grade. <laughs> it's it, it's a pity grade. Okay, so the first topic we're going to talk about is uh, Notch's new game. Notch, the uh, maker of Minecraft and the owner of Mojang, is coming up with a new science hard sci-fi game. Uh, it sounds pretty crazy. I can't really think of what it's about off the top of my head, but you get like a spaceship and you can plug different things into it, and each ship has like a certain amount of computing power it can handle at one time, and all sorts of weird stuff. But the name of the game is really weird. Uh, it's called. O times ten to the C, I think. I don't even know how to pronounce or, it. I don't X one O C or yeah, yeah, something like that. So grade the title of Notch's <laughs> new game, Eddie. I'm gonna go with a D. Jerf. Z. <laughs> <laughs> D to the C. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna give it a, a, a C times X to the ten O. <laughs> I don't even. Yeah, I'm gonna give it a C. So, um, who was the lowest? Uh, who said D? Me. Yeah, let's go with Eddie. Yeah, Anthony actually made a really good thing that I'm guessing he would have said in the podcast also, but that they were taking a, a page out of the Square Enix naming convention <laughs> for things. Um, it's such a weird name. The game itself sounds incredible. We were gating, gate, grading the concept. I would give the concept a freaking A. Because mm-hmm. um, it sounds like everything... Not everything, obviously. I've never been sitting around thinking, but it sounds like just the kind of things that like dreams are made of. <laughs> well, yeah. Me. Okay, so listen to this. This the this bit that you pulled out when you wrote about it. Each ship has a generator capable of producing a fixed wattage, and everything you connect to it drains wattage. A cloaking field might require almost all the power from the generator, forcing yeah, so- you to turn off all computers and dim all lights in order to successfully cloak. That is really cool. Yeah, and what and my dream would be is if it takes. Like in in multiplayer, which is going to have a fee, actually, hmm. uh, the multiverse is going to be. So it's basically this is kind of an MMO, but you can play single player and still go against the AI. But my dream would be is if it takes one person to pilot the ship and one person to run the computer, because then you would have like an engineer, right? And that yes. would be awesome. That and would be the multiplayer ship guns, ships. Then you could have people that are controlling the gu- like. I I just I hope so badly. I hope, um, and it sounds like a mining game too. So to me, it sounds like. Because the whole plot is that people have slept for too long, that they were supposed to cryosleep, and they wake up like when like the universe is falling apart. And so you wake up, and it sounds kind of like Minecraft in that you start mining, getting resources together, but then you build spaceships with them, which sounds so awesome. Um, and it, every ship has an actual 16-bit computer that can actually do, that can actually compute and do processes. Um, so it's like you can play a 16-bit game or while you wait for something or you could program it to do things. And people are probably going to come up with some crazy stuff that they make their ships capable of because of that. Yeah. Yeah, like people recently... could build like, like flying calculators and stuff. And meanwhile, I'm just going to be playing like the original Mario Bros. on my ship. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, like someone recently created like a working scientific calculator in Minecraft. And it's 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 mind-blowing. Yeah, that's just bonkers. The video. <laughs> yeah. Um... 
I, I am so I've never really been interested in playing Minecraft. It just sounds like a a time suck that I'm not interested in. I mean I I'm willing to play time sucks if they're the kind of game that I enjoy, but it's like for whatever reason it's never sounded like something I'd want to play. This one actually sounds like something I could be interested in. And also a time suck. Yeah, Jeff, here's a video Minecraft's of the, pretty uh, cool. There's a video of the graphing calculator or yeah, the no, scientific I mean, calculator. I believe you that, that Minecraft is cool, it's just not, you know. Good lord, that scientific calculator looks like a spaceship. Yeah. What? Like that's that's everything because Jeff in the game you can have circuits that you build. Like yeah, like yeah, very you know, rudimentary I've, I've, circuits. I've seen stuff about that, yeah. Yeah. So he's mapped all these different things to all these circuits and through all these functions created a working calculator. Nerd. <laughs> I can't even wrap my head around it. I wonder how long that God. took. Good lord, that doesn't even look like so if you skip to about two minutes in, you, he's actually inputting numbers and functions and stuff. Which so just what, what can it do? Six-digit addition and subtraction, three-digit multiplication, division, and trigonometric trigonometric slash scientific functions. So his calculator that he built in Minecraft can do trigonometry. Yes. What? So yeah. That's, that's crazy. So like I remember, doing... I remember the original calculator that came out, but it was nothing like this. Yeah. This is insane. So people are doing this and just Minecraft. Like, imagine what people can do with a 16-bit computer that they can maybe mine and attach stuff to. Because I'm, I'm guessing he'll keep similar mechanics like this and just leave it wide open for people to do whatever in the in the universe. Mm-hmm. In space. In space. So, anyway, Jeff, your grade was a C. I technically said Z, but yeah, we'll we'll, we'll go with C. <laughs> You never give real answers to anything, though. Well, I never give real answers when I, I don't know anything about the actual game. Well, from a marketing standpoint, yeah, like that's a terrible choice for marketing. But it, I, I think Anthony's joke was that it's like, because uh, he got that, that whole issue with scrolls where he got sued for, for that being too But sore. it was like the most anti-Bethesda name you right, could possibly do right, and not get exactly. sued. Yeah. I just think, yeah... I, Obviously, nobody else is going to call their game OX10C, but who is going to know how to... Like, how are you going to tell your friends to play that game? What are you going yeah. to call it? You know, like... Space Minecraft. <laughs> Space X10C. Yeah. Is it, is it a zero or an, or an O? Because it looks like a zero a, to me. I think well, it's yeah, a but, zero. But how do you pronounce Wouldn't that? Wouldn't it just you, be zero? Zero X10C? Zero, zero times I mean, anything is zero. Yeah, I, I don't know. So would it be zero? So it's just zero, the game? Maybe it's basically it's it's a marketing nightmare nightmare, but obviously he doesn't. That doesn't matter because they'll make millions and millions of dollars anyway. Um, I'll bet the game is just called Zero. Probably. I don't want to be negative on this, but my only problem with like Notch and the way he does stuff is he tends to overpromise and then he just moves on to a different project when he loses interest with his current thing. Like he handed off development of Minecraft to people he hired before he was even finished and like he had the money to do that and it's totally his prerogative to do so but he just seems kind of fickle with how he like doesn't he have like scrolls going on and cobalt at the same time yeah there's that game going on too so yeah so he sort of gets excited about the inception of the game but maybe not like following through and because well, yeah minecraft he started doing made all that money and then he kind of started moving on to other things without having it be done personally i think people overreacted and they act like he promised this and then he abandoned the game and like at some point he released it and you've got to accept that that's what he considers the finished product 
but at the same time i do kind of understand that like he promised all these things took a lot of money for it and then kind of moved on you know yeah Yeah, i'm not i'm not like upset about that yeah yeah like i'm just kind of like everything that notch is doing from here on out of my expectations are kind of tempered because of that well has he actually released any other games like i because that was the impression i got with minecraft was that it was sort of like the the endless beta yeah before no it's out it's 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 officially out now no no i know it's officially out now but i'm saying like for the other stuff that he's announced yeah cobalt and scrolls haven't came haven't come out yet um cobalt i know is in open beta just like minecraft if you pay for it you can play it right now and then you'll get the full release um cobalt hasn't come out scrolls as far as i know is like still in development like i don't don't know where that stands other than that taiko from penny arcade is writing the story for it i gave it a c i think yeah, my vote was my vote was basically based on what I just said about Notch and how he handles the games that he's making. Cool, cool. Next topic. Yeah, yeah next topic. Let's keep moving. Uh, so the next thing we're going to be talking about is the influx of new Kickstarters. Uh, sort of ever since Double Fine uh, started their Kickstarter thing, we've been seeing some sort of new Kickstarter every week, and uh, there's been a couple uh, interesting ones recently, like the Banner Saga that Eddie posted on Gamer Sushi, and there's a Shadow uh, Run one that came out recently. But what we're going to be doing right now is grading the influx of new Kickstarters. So, Jeff, you want to kickstart this for us? A. Uh, I'm going to give it a D. Eddie? C. Okay, well, mine mine is kind of simple. I'm just giving it a D because I, I think there's too many Kickstarters. <laughs> like, at a certain point, the public interest in Kickstarter is going to run out. And, like, there's just going to be all these projects, like, sitting out there unfunded because people just, like, either lost interest in Kickstarter or just ran out of, like disposable income to throw in all these like projects well and my my thing the reason i gave it a c is because like what i understand that there's 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 like a tug of war here because on some level like you you just need money to make things like you just do like i've been like i know this from experience like if you have no money and you spend a lot of time making stuff like you eventually get really burned out you know? And stop making things, yes. Yes, and stop making things. So you need so mo- give money to the Gamer Sushi Kickstarter. <laughs> <laughs> so you need money to make things. Well, Gamer Sushi is just enough. You mean like it's it's not one of those, it, it doesn't take over my life, you know? Yeah, it, um, it's low impact yeah. compared to something like Web Zeroes or uh, yeah. Elite World. Which is nice because now like like some other stuff is taking over my life, but I'm getting paid for it, you know? <laughs> and I'm fine with that. But... um so it's like there's a tug of war like you need money to like produce that content but at the same time i feel like you should produce some content as an act of good faith too Mm -hmm. you know what i mean like you like whatever happened to like being able to produce that content and show people that you can do it and say okay now with money here's what i would like to do because anyone can have a good idea you know what i mean like and that's the thing like oh well i have this great idea i want everyone to give me five hundred thousand dollars so i can do it you know, and the ones that I really don't understand are, I, I've been starting to see a lot of um, book kickstarters. Oh, um, that I'm going to write a book if you pay. Yeah, me. Uh, yeah, and like, and I've got a friend doing one, and I'm going to give him money for it. Unless I hope it hasn't run out, but I, I, I plan on giving him money for it because he's my friend. Um, but at the same time, you know, part of me like I see some of these some of these kickstarters where it's like I would like to write a book. I'm like, well, then write it. You know what I mean? Like, write it, try to sell it, get your advance. You mean like, I, it's, it's, some part of me feels like you got to put in the time before you expect anyone to give you money. Right. Um, you know, now if you're these industry talents, like some of these Kickstarters are people that actually have industry talent and they've been doing a lot and they're already work like the like the one I posted about that was like kind of the Nordic 
looking RPG strategy game. Right. They Which, they'd already, they've been working on it. You mm-hmm. know, they they've they've already gotten a lot done. They're they're making it, and I'm willing to support something like that. It's like, well, you're already making this, and you know, you're showing me progress, and like you guys just love this so much, you're making it anyway. Um, yeah, that makes sense. Well, well, and I funded that one. Like as soon as you posted, like I looked it up. The Banner Saga. Banner yeah. Saga. I looked it up, and I was like, eh, looks awesome. Ten dollars. Yeah, I'll fund that. I think what you're you're saying makes sense. It's that they had proof of concept and proof of work, and they're saying, all right, if you give us money, then we'll be able to do. Based on what we have so far, we'll be able to add this, you know, get better music, do better rotoscoping, um, you know, we can commit to doing the three games in X amount of time or whatever. Like, yeah, that's that that's why I gave it an A is because the stuff that I've seen is like that. I don't I don't really spend much time on Kickstarter, so I, I'm sure that if you went in there, there's a lot of stuff that is just horrible slapdash. I mean, I actually funded one a year ago called Kentucky Route Zero, the the magic realist adventure game. It was like something that was on like posted on Kotaku that just looked pretty cool. And I know they're working on that, but I kind of feel like that one has sort of fallen off my radar where, you know, I'm not entirely sure if it's ever actually going to come out, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like I get the impression that they're working on it, but they're not really updating anything. <laughs> they haven't posted an update since... Yeah, February of 2011. They have run off into the night with their money. I'm sorry, <laughs> Jeff. I mean, I only give I only give them ten dollars. That's the thing. Like, I I don't think that I'm is gonna... enough gas to get to Mexico, sir. <laughs> Mexico. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Have you Have you seen how much gas costs? I have not because I don't live in your country. <laughs> oh, much okay. much to my chagrin. You're talking I am about Canadian gas, national. aren't you? You're, you're You're talking about the ten cent Canadian gas, right? You can fuel a rocket plane with Canadian <laughs> gas. <laughs> um, that's the thing. Well, I, see, like, I, I've been seeing a bunch for like podcasts. Even I'm like, why does a podcast cost ten thousand that, dollars? That's yeah. A podcast is silly. Um, I think they want. Uh, I think the podcast Eddie is talking about. They wanted to do some like really high concept stuff with it, but they were asking like thirty thousand yeah, dollars. Thirty thousand dollars for. I'm like, come on. That's like why not? Why don't you just call that like my new wardrobe fund? Yeah, to be if like if you're gonna be honest about it. Yeah, or how about you know give me thirty thousand dollars and I'll quit my job and I'll do nothing but podcast. There you go. <laughs> yeah, that's like, what you want, right? Yeah. Uh, no, but but that's the thing. I kind of feel like part of what I'm doing is that I'm only um, pledging small amounts to projects that look like they actually have you know, a likelihood of delivering. I guess, or you know. Like the Double Fine Adventure one, I had no problem funding that. Yeah. Like that's that's gonna happen. And like the Banner Saga one, like they they are making this game, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, I yeah, mean, but they had like they had like a proof of concept, like you said. Like right, I feel like right. that's the difference. The, the thing I don't like about the Kickstarters that are coming out right now, like the Double Fine one, it's like fine. That was kind of the one that started it. But then the one for uh, Wasteland Two, like I don't think they had anything for it other than the company was like, hey, we want to make Wasteland 2. Give us money, please. Well, you know, te- technically, the thing about the Double Fine Adventure is that they didn't have anything for theirs. I mean, they probably no, had that- an idea, but I think the only reason that I feel like that is reasonable is because they're a company that I I, I know the brand name. I feel yeah. like it also had really high visibility, so we can rely on them actually delivering. Yeah, and I kind of feel like the, these other guys, like the Shadowrun guys and the uh, Wasteland guys, are kind of riding on the coattails yeah. of that of a known brand. Mm-hmm. I just get sick of how every every Kickstarter now is posted on a news site, like it's news. I'm, I'm like, why is this news? 
game company tries to make game you know <laughs> i mean so game the, company ceo dresses as a homeless man comes to your house with a hat in hand give him money i mean i think that i really like the concept of kickstarter i think the the one problem with you know it's kind of like how youtube can be great if you know where to look yeah uh, if there's no curation then you're get, gonna get nothing but shit so i i mean that's that's part of it is that Democratic content is great until there's no curation. So yeah. I think part of what Kickstarter does is they do have the front page where they're showing like, you know, they have categories of projects that they're calling out. And obviously, I guess the game sites just jump on whatever comes out. But I don't know. I'm sure there's a lot. There's a lot of terrible projects that never got funded because they're just terrible. So eh, I don't know. I also feel like some of these games, like, golly, the, yeah, the Wasteland 2 thing got $2 million. Really? Yeah, which is yeah, insane. Uh, their asking price was $900,000. Yeah. <laughs> so, I, you know, and for this front page thing, I feel like they should take some, like, something that's 220% funded, take that off and make room for something that, right, right. for they something else. It, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, like, once you get, like, past a point, it just becomes a little ridiculous. Yeah, and it's like, why don't you promote something else that, that actually might need the help, you know? Mm -hmm. I don't know. I mean, that, I, that's the thing. I think there's also, like what you were saying, there's a right and a wrong way to do it. So, like, if you were going to do a book Kickstarter, I could say, all right, I want to self-publish a book that I've already written, but I want to make a really nice version of it. And because I already have a blog, I've been posting, exam like, samples of, of what I've written so you could see what I what it's like. And so what you're funding would maybe be like a really nice print run of it. That I could see working. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but really, I also only see that working for an established author or someone yep. who has an established blog presence. It's yeah. not like just like tomorrow I go on there and say, I have an idea for a book, give me money. Nobody, Well, nobody would pay for it in the first place, but... Yeah, I would. You would? You'd pay me I money would. to write a book? I know you. I trust um, you. All right, I know so, you I, so you guys will give me $20 to write a book, right? <laughs> Yeah, well, but I demand to have of, uh, creative input on your book. That's what kick, that, that's what Kickstarter is about, right? <laughs> I think that is the downside is of yeah. Kickstarter. Like that is the massive downside of Kickstarter is that the peop that a lot of people who think that just because they gave you five dollars that means they get to tell you what to do. Yeah, like I'm never going on the Double Fine stir. forums. I'm never going to create okay. a login. I'm never yeah. going. I just want to see what they come out with, and I'll be fine with it. Yeah. Um, like one example of one that was done poorly was a guy that, and it annoyed me so much because it was done poorly. I could tell like it wasn't handled well. He it was tactical shooter, and it was a guy that worked on Halo Reach. I want to say, mm. and all he called his Kickstarter was tactical shooter, and he just had a bunch of bad text about how like we don't have enough tactical shooters like Rainbow Six, and I'm going to make one, and I work on video games, and I need like he was asking for something like a million dollars or something ridiculous. Um, and it didn't do well. And all these game blogs posted about like, hey, go fund this. It's a cool Kickstarter. And then it didn't make it. And he redid it and like did like a new video and like rebranded it. And then like they posted about that too. Like, <laughs> hey, the first one failed. Why don't you go for this one? He gave it a new title and redid his Kickstarter page because the last one didn't work. And like yeah. everyone posted about that too. And I'm like, oh. and I think he did get it funded that time because mm -hmm. he presented his concept better. But that's the thing. He pro it probably wasn't backed up any better just because you presented it better yeah i mean good marketing does not mean good results well so. i think this time he actually showed like why he could make it because he actually like put in like what his credentials were and who else oh, was yeah. 
and showed a few proof of concepts and it's like yeah like the first time he the first time he literally it was just a guy like asking for money because he had an idea and those yeah. ones that really bug me like i think the farther this kickstarter thing goes like people are going to start demanding more proof of concept stuff like they're, you're not just going to be able to walk in there and give out your yeah. like hey i want to make a game please give me a million dollars you're tired have to of show... not playing more games like dragon age give me yeah, money yeah. and i'll make one I'm going to call it Wyvern Age, yeah. and you will be able to fight Wyverns. And doesn't that sound cool? $900,000 blocks. <laughs> well, I do have to wonder if there's a point. Okay, so I guess as we've talked, my grade has gone down from A. It's probably more like a B <laughs> or a C now. But, um, You've yeah. swayed him. Uh, I've been swayed. So <clears throat> at what point does the bubble burst? You know, Is it yeah. like a year or two now when people are like, hey, whatever happened to all that shit I funded? I mean, because when I funded Kentucky Route Zero, Kickstarter was still pretty new. It was kind of off the radar. Um, yeah, it only got like eight thousand dollars. That was that was they were only asking for like five thousand dollars, and they got eight thousand. So, you know, bully for them. But um, yeah, what happens like a few years from now when we start seeing whether or not these million dollar projects actually paid off, or if people even liked them mm-hmm. when they came out? Yeah, yeah that's going right. to be the other problem. One that they totally suck. So I'm thinking we should move on to the last yes. topic last of topic. the game. Uh, so the last topic, uh, Battlefield 3 recently got a huge patch for all three of its platforms. Enormous patch. Enormous patch. It was, like, ridiculous. It basically changed, like, the entire balance of the game. It changed, like, tanks, aircraft, and weapons, and has actually helped rejuvenate my love for the game. So thank you, Dice, for putting out that patch. Um, one of the things Fanboyism that... is a fickle beast. <laughs> it is. It really is. Well, just ask Bioware how that's working out for them. <laughs> Oh, thank you, thank you. I'm here all week. Um, so <laughs> 1.6 gigs, I think yes. the patch was. Oh wow! Yeah, it was it like was it, like Jeff, it changed like just tweaked like the values of like every gun, every attachment for every gun, like. And so this was a free patch. Yeah, yes. that's insane. Yeah, it's pretty much Battlefield 3.5 now. Is yeah. how different it is. And there was a ton of fixes, but beyond just like the weapon balance. But anyways, one of the major things they added was the ability to rent and maintain a server for the PlayStation Three and the Xbox. Uh, you can rent a server for different amounts of time, uh, so you can rent anything from like one day for like a buck forty nine on the PS Three, up to ninety days for sixty dollars, which isn't a bad price for a dedicated server. <laughs> no, not at all. Especially not even on, on the PC, console. yeah. Especially on the consoles. So what we're going to be doing is we're going to be grading the ability to rent a server for Battlefield Three. Uh, I'm going to go console. first yeah. on console, yeah, for the PS Three and Xbox. I'm going to go first. I'm going to get this an A, uh, Eddie. I'm also going to give it an A. Uh, Jeff? I have to defer to you guys on this because I really don't know anything about Battlefield 3. So Why don't you just make up a letter then, Jeff, like you always you just... do? 14! <laughs> I give it a 14. <laughs> just give it a cromulent. Eddie, go. I It blew my mind when I read this because I, I didn't... I, I don't know if I'd been out of the loop or whatever. I didn't hear that they were even considering about of doing this at all. Um, and to me, that's one of the things that as much as I've played console shooters, the thing that I've always thought would keep them separated from PC, not just from control standpoint, but like just like an input standpoint of like, there's always going to be a significant amount of lag because most of these things are, um, most of the games are based on like a, a player as the host, Um, you know? So there's always going to be some kind of lag unless you're the host. Um, now, some games have started doing a few of their own dedicated servers, but even that's like expensive for them to maintain, um, and it doesn't have that still have that customizable feeling of a PS of over a PC server. So it's it's 
pretty incredible that this is even an option of something that people can do. And the prices are really good because I think when we rented the Elite World server, it was something like twenty-five bucks a month or thirty dollars a month. Um, it was pretty pricey, um, and that was only for like a twenty to twenty-four person server. It might have come down since that was like three or four years ago. Right. Um, it might be have come down a little bit, but this, this is it's a pretty cool option for console players and someone. And I was looking at the, all the options and stuff. They have they have all kinds of customization they can do to it, um, and name it and have all kinds of things. And I think it it would it makes for a like if some like it basically is certain users want to spend the money and then it just makes for a better experience for everybody. Um, yeah, because I guess at, if you're playing with somebody who has a dedicated server, then you automatically win. You know, because when I mean like automatically win, I mean you you benefit too based on what they've spent. Yeah, exactly. Like everybody wins. Like it's a better connective, it's a better experience because then you can start filtering and looking for certain kinds of servers that play certain kinds of ways. Getting rid of Dem of NP and Operation Metro. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing. It's servers pick their own map rotations. They pick, you know, does your health regenerate? They pick all these things that let you tweak the game to the way you like it. And just because that's the thing about PC games is I usually tend to find one or two servers and those are the only servers I ever want to play in because it's like this is exactly the kind of the way I want to play this game. And here are the other like forty people on the internet that love to play it that way too, and I will only play with them. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, I kind of feel like my perspective with when I've enjoyed multiplayer, it's because I'm playing with specific people more than anything. So I, I guess I could see how dedicated servers would help promote playing with the same people. Yeah, I mean, it just helps you filter out. Yeah. Other things. Um, the only down to this is I subscribe to the Battlefield 3 subreddit and there's already uh, pictures of Xbox 360 and uh, PS3 players posting like admin abuse screenshots like admins just kicking people willy nilly that's like the only downside of this I mean that happens on PC it's kind of unavoidable like people are going to be dicks no matter what well especially like people that are that are experiencing this power for the very first time <laughs> you know what I mean like on consoles like yeah. yes unlimited power <laughs> Like, every time they kick someone, they get, like, plus 10 renegade points. Yeah. <laughs> so, what, just, like, kicking people who are playing a way that you don't want want to play or something, or just to be a jerk? Yeah, just, like, if someone kills you, you can just go, oh, man, get out. You're gone. <laughs> Kicked. Ah, that's That's, classic. like, the, yeah, that's kind of the only thing, but that's also, like, that also speaks to the user base, so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know what but, you're I mean, talking that's about. That's, like, the only that <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about, bro. <laughs> whatever, dude. Whatever, bro. It's my server, my rules. Whatever. GTFO, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, that's the only downside I see. Like the like, I think that you know, being able to give this kind of options to to console players is is really great and like really a great thing for EA and Dice to do. Um, especially like this many months out from Battlefield 3's release date. And especially after this huge patch, you're going to get people coming back to Battlefield 3 that maybe didn't like it the first time around. So this is definitely another incentive to get them to, get them to try it out. So All don't see nothing wrong with that. Fair enough. So does anyone have anything else to add to this? Or? No, I think we are good to wrap up. Okay, so that's the end of the game. And the end of the podcast. Yes. That went so well. Sweet. It was so, good, uh, talking yeah. about stuff. I guess we should do a little outro real yeah, quick. Yeah, if you want to follow our this gamer sushi. Me. It's me. I won. Okay. That's fair, I guess. <laughs> um, yeah, if you want to follow Gamer Sushi on Twitter, twitter.com slash Gamer Sushi. You should also rate and review the cast on iTunes. 
If you want to follow me, I'm twitter.com slash Eddie Rivas. you want to follow me, I'm twitter.com slash unsquare. Twitter.com slash mi7ch. Nick is Nick Camardo, and Anthony is, what is it, underscore Anthony? Uh, Anthony Taylor underscore. Anthony Taylor underscore, okay. Yeah. Follow so, everybody. yeah. Best podcast ever. <laughs>